Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Good day, sir. Yes. Good day, sir. Good day. Listen, there are a few things I enjoy more. Maybe it's my increasingly thickening skin or whatever it may be, but I'm serious. There are a few things I enjoy more that, as you know, owning the libs and trolling them all over social media. <laughs> so I really enjoy it when they run pieces and I respond back on Twitter. More content at Bongino.com <laughs> and our web traffic goes. I'm serious. Our web traffic at Bongino.com has gone through the roof and I'm my wife and I have been trying to figure it out. And I, I think, I, I'm, I'm guessing, because we've been, my wife is great at analytics, mm-hmm. uh, we've been trying to figure it out, and I think it's due to the increasingly virulent liberal hit pieces on us. I'm serious. I think the libs then go to the website, check it out. So, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting week. Hey, I've got a killer show for you today. Um, given that now the book is out, and a lot of you have already read it, um, moted through the whole book in a day or two, uh, my new book, Spygate. Thank you to all the reviews. We have upwards of 60-plus five-star reviews on Amazon. You all are the best. Woo. I love you to death. You're great. Thank you so much. Um, I want to disclose some of the information in the book because I want to give you one of the uh, revelations uh, that is going to just blow your mind about paragraph one, Joe. Um, I haven't even told you this, right? No. You're like, where are you going with this? Yeah. We've had a good idea about what paragraph one is the whole time. And when you read the book, you're going to see why you can't put it down. I wasn't holding out on you because I was trying to like sell more books or anything like that. I was holding out a bit because I wanted to be sure you got to read it because it's a very, very detailed case about what paragraph one. And I'm going to try to sum it up for you today. So don't miss today's show. Today's show brought to you by buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition, one of the finest nutrition supplement companies on the market. They make my favorite product out there right now, which is called Foundation. Foundation is a creatine ATP blend. But what does that mean to you? It means you'll look better, you'll perform better. It's as simple as that. I encourage everyone to try this product, BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Here's what it'll do for you. I want you to go and do the mirror test, I call it. Mirror test. Go look in the mirror. Take a mental snapshot. See what you look like. Go buy a bottle of Foundation. Give it about seven days. Takes a little bit to load up in your system, right? Then look in the mirror again. You're going to be like, whoa, look like you've been working out for four or five months after it. It is that good of a product. It'll also increase your performance in the gym because it gives you those, uh, those phosphagens you need to keep the, uh, the energy level high inside the gym. You'll perform better. You will look better. It is the best product out there. Can't recommend it enough. Send me your reviews. My email's on the website. I love reading them. Uh, go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up a bottle of foundation today. Send me your reviews. You will not regret it. All right. Um, Again, thanks again for buying the book. Please try to get us to number one today. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and bookstores everywhere. The book right now is in the 30s on Amazon, which is terrific. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, cracking the top 50 on Amazon is tough. But again, Spygate, the attempted sabotage of Donald Trump available now. Here's the major revelation in the book outside of just the motive. What have we been talking about for months, Joe? Paragraph one, yeah. paragraph one. And we could not have timed this thing better. We could not have timed this thing better for the news cycle because now with the revelations that this upper level FBI lawyer, James Baker, has been talking to Congress, Joe, and revealing exactly what paragraph one is, we now have this thing hook, line, and sinker nailed. This is great. I mean, we could not have timed this thing any better for the book to come out now. Here's what's going on. Um, Jeff Carlson, who's a really great writer over the Epoch Times over there, He has a piece out, which I will have in the show notes today, 
uh, that is a really terrific read. If you read it and then you go dig into the book, the whole case comes together for you. Paragraph one is the big controversy in this case. Now, for those of you who are new listeners and don't know what that means, uh, let me just sum it up again quickly. Paragraph one, when I was a federal agent, whenever you write a report in the Secret Service, we called them MRs, memorandum reports, IRs, investigative reports in some cases, they would always have a first paragraph in the summary section. It's not hard to figure out. And the first paragraph was how you got the case. Mm-hmm. How did you start this? That paragraph one, Joe, better not read. Hey, I was down the block walking my dog and I picked up a flyer from a far left radical group that said Donald Trump is a, is a Nazi. So I started a Nazi investigation against Donald Trump. <laughs> People would be like, wait, what? You did what? You took a political flyer and you, folks, you see where I'm going with this? When you are doing a federal investigation with such prominence and importance, like an investigation into a presidential candidate during an election, it is absolutely critical. The I's are dotted, the T's are crossed, and that that paragraph one damn well better have some meat on that bone and better not be some political charge from an opponent that's entirely unfounded. You bet. I have been saying to you for six months, kind of setting you up for this moment for the book release. That the real scandal here is how did the case start in the first place? Because to this day, nobody has given a coherent story. Papadopoulos did it. Foreign intelligence did it. Carter Page did it. The Martians did it. Folks, the real story is those things aren't irrelevant. They're very relevant, right? Mm -hmm. But they're not the real story. And when you read the book, the reason you won't be able to put it down is because paragraph one becomes clear. Paragraph one, ladies and gentlemen, is about Alpha Bank. You're like, what? You say, remember the names. Where's this coming from? What the (laughs) hell is Alpha Bank? Well, if you read Carlson's piece, and I'm going to summarize for him, I'm going to tie this up for you in a neat little bow in today's show. Don't miss out. You don't go anywhere. It's all going to make sense. Michael Sussman, who is a lawyer for Perkins Coie, who was working with the Democrat Party on the Hillary Clinton campaign. He's a partner at Perkins Coie, a law firm hired by the Clintons to hire Fusion GPS to go generate negative information for Hillary. Michael Sussman, we now know, again, you could not have picked this news cycle any better for this book. It's almost like we planned it. Sussman, we now know, is feeding information to James Baker at the FBI. James Baker is an upper-level loyal, at the, uh, upper level loyal chief counsel at the FBI. He is pipelining this right into the highest levels of the FBI. Keep in mind, mm-hmm. this guy, Sussman, is working with the Hillary Clinton campaign for president, piping negative opposition research into the top levels of the FBI. Now, what's apparent here, Joe, they are desperate. They are desperate to get a reason, a paragraph one reason to start a federal investigation into the Trump campaign. Why? Because their original plan to continue to unmask people and likely use queries into government databases to gather information on the Trump team using basically weaponized United States government resources is falling apart as Mike Flynn, the NSA director, actually not Mike Flynn, excuse me, um, Mike Rogers, the NSA director, uncovers some seriously malign activity uh, within the use of NSA databases to gather information. Please follow what I'm saying. Joe, if I lose you, stop me. All right, with you so the original. Far. You got me. Okay. Original plan by the Obama administration and others involved in this is to use the government's unmasking abilities, their ability to listen in on calls, 
using reverse targeting. In other words, pretend we're targeting a foreigner, listening on the calls, but what we're really doing is listening in on a U.S. citizen under the guise that we're listening on the foreigner he's talking to. Mm-hmm. Basically, their ability to tap, tap phone calls, to use just a regular everyday language people understand. Mm-hmm. They combine that, which appears likely right now, some unauthorized uses of NSA databases to search for information too. How do we know that happened? We know it because the FISA courts themselves, pursuant to a request by Mike Rogers, who said, hey, something's wrong here, already, it's already public in a, uh, in a 2017 revelation, put out this report saying that this actually happened, that private contractors had access to secret NSA databases. They were using information. It's highly likely that had some nexus to the ability of the Obama team to do research on the Trump team. That apparently got either slowed down uh, there were whistleblowers, whatever it may be, and they panicked. They needed now a new reason to start a formal FBI investigation into Donald Trump. That's the plan B. They don't have one, folks. That is why, and, and, and this is the critical juncture here. That is why paragraph one is important. Because as you'll read in my book, it, as, as Denise and, and Matt and, 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 and I put together, I think, nicely, in a nice flowing manner, It's the transition from a, okay, now we were kind of informally using these mechanisms to investigate the Trump team, the unmasking and the other stuff. Now that we've been shut down, now we have to move into another plan, which is a formal investigation. The problem is we're going to have to put something down on paper in an FBI report because the FBI is going to need it as to why we're doing this. Right, 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 right. Good. You got it? Yep, yep. That is why paragraph one is the the scandal. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the scandal. How did they move from weaponized government operating in the shadows into a formal FBI documented investigation known as Crossfire Hurricane in July into Trump? Now it all makes sense. It all makes sense. This is great. Carlson's piece today kind of describes it. Here's what happened, folks. Simpson, Glenn Simpson of Fusion GPS is working uh, under this contract with the Hillary Clinton team through Perkins Coie, the law firm. I know the payments get kind of screwed up. Just understand this. Simpson's working for Hillary Clinton. Right. Who's paying him is where it gets confusing because Hillary's team pays this law firm that pays Fusion GPS where Simpson works. Now, why is there a... It's a money... It's basically... It's not formal money laundering, but it's a way to hide where the money's coming from. Right, right. Hillary plays the law firm. The law firm plays the opposition, pays the opposite. Why? Why would they do that, Joe? Because when the opposition research comes out against Donald Trump, Hillary doesn't want her fingerprints on it. Right. Oh, I didn't pay this guy, Glenn Simpson. I didn't pay him. I paid a law firm. I don't know what they did with it. Wink, wink, nod, nod. You following, folks? Oh, yeah. It's important. It speaks to motive here. They knew they were going to gin up some nonsense information on Trump. So they engage in this fancy money scheme to run the money through multiple outlets before it makes its way to Christopher Steele, who eventually gins up the information on Trump. Now, they need a paragraph one, but the paragraph one, ladies and gentlemen, was there the whole time and there was only one person who had it. And that person who had it was Glenn Simpson. (laughs) I'm going to read to you in a few moments some lines from a 2007, not 2017, 2007 piece by Glenn Simpson in the Wall Street Journal that is going to blow your mind. The 2007 piece, Joe, Joe's, Joe's turning is how I know he's interested. Yeah. The 2007 piece sounds suspiciously like 
This Russian collusion narrative may have already existed. It was a pre-packaged little box ready to go. Hey, that guy Simpson, he's working on some Russia stuff. Maybe we should go get him. Oh, wouldn't that be great? That'd be wonderful. Before we get to that, the Hillary team needs a story. They need a story, and the Obama administration needs a story. Mm-hmm. So, from uh, this is from Jeff Carlson's piece to, uh, today. That uh, it's actually from a few days ago, but it's it's in the show notes today. They're talking about this uh, December 18, twenty seventeen interview with Michael Sussman. Uh, 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 was interviewed by the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. It indicates that Sussman was likely the individual who met with Baker in September of 2016 to exchange this information. So now we got a lawyer being paid by the DNC meeting with the FBI, right? Okay. Carlson says, equally interesting in this uh, in the article is the question, uh, po- po- it was a question, was a Trump server communicating with Russia published on August- October 31st, 2016? Let's be clear what we're talking about here. Slate.com. On October 31st of 2016, a guy by the name of Franklin Four, F-O-E-R, publishes a piece, was a Trump server communicating with Russia. He publishes this piece on October 31st of 2016. The allegations are that there's a server in Trump Tower. Follow me, folks. This is fascinating. There's a server in Trump Tower that was used in the promotion of the Trump-Russia collusion narrative. This is from the piece, from the Slate piece. In late July, what happened in late July, Joe? The Crossfire Hurricane Mm -hmm. uh, case opened Mm -hmm. up July 31st, 2016. In late July, one of these scientists, talking about these computer scientists, found what looked like malware emanating from Russia. The destination domain had Trump in its name. So follow me here again. All right. These are leaks coming from upper level government sources. Maybe someone Baker may have known in the upper levels of the FBI leaking to Slate that there is a server in Trump Tower communicating with Russia. It says that this happened, this discovery in late July, which is exactly when the investigation into Trump opens. Remember, they need a cause. They need a reason. They need a predicate reason to start investigating the Trump team, which conveniently appears in, quote, late July. The late, the predicate paragraph one statement, here it is, is there's a server in Trump Tower communicating with these Russians. Oh, my gosh, it's a back channel. Carlson's piece goes on. Interestingly enough, the FBI's CI investigation into Trump-Russia ties began in July 31st. Here's more from the article. It dawned on these researchers, Joe, that this wasn't an attack. In other words, a computer attack. Mm -hmm. But a sustained relationship between a server registered to the Trump organization and two servers registered to an entity called Alpha Bank. Oh, my God. The conversation between Trump and Alpha servers appeared to follow the contours of political happenings in the United States. At election-related moments, the traffic peaked. In other words, there's a back-channel server in Trump Tower communicating like they're in the Batcave with the Russians, and these servers are registered to an entity called <laughs> Alpha Bank, and these the traffic peaks at election-related moments. Oh, here it is. We got it. This all came about in July, right before the Crossfire Hurricane case started. Do you see what they're hiding now? Now, if any of this was actually true, you'd be like, well, what's the problem? The FBI needed a reason to start an investigation into the Trump team. 
because the Obama administration likely was demanding it at this point through John Brennan, who's pushing all this up on Capitol Hill, this collusion narrative. So what's the problem, Joe? They found the server in Trump Tower communicating with the Russians. Here's the problem, folks. The case was total garbage. Even the New York Times debunked it. As Carlson says in the, I don't like to read a lot, but this is a good piece, and it's gonna. I'm gonna get into how it covers and how we segue into the book in a second. Mm-hmm. It was later discovered that the server was not operated by the Trump organization at all, but instead was run and managed by Sendin, a vendor that organizes email marketing campaigns for hotels and resorts. The quote traffic the Slate reporter was reporting on was simply mass emails related to loyalty programs, discount offers, and the like, oh. and the like. Ladies and gentlemen, do you see that? This is all in the book, by the way. Do you see the cataclysmic embarrassment that the FBI is looking at right now? Again, I know some of you don't like it when I'm a little bit repetitive. I get it. But to understand this, you have to understand the egg on the face of the FBI. You need to put yourself in their shoes right now. The Obama administration engages in plan A, the spying operation Mm -hmm. on the Trump team. Portions of it are likely shut down by Mike Rogers, who's like, hey, why are we tapping into government databases doing these queries? They have to move to a formal investigation. They, They who do they incorporate to do it? They incorporate Johnny B, Johnny Brennan, knowing he's a partisan hack. They incorporate him to start pushing this Russian collusion narrative in conjunction with the Hillary campaign. I'll get to her role in this in a second. They need a prepackaged narrative. This narrative magic, I'll get to the magic too in a second, magically appears that the Trump organization has a computer back channel to Russia through these Alpha Bank servers and they're communicating with the Russians at an election related moment only to find out later it's spam emails to servers that don't, the Trump organization doesn't even own. Folks, Ooh. they started the biggest investigation in the United States history. Paragraph one, because of spam emails. I'm not kidding. I'm not joking. That's paragraph one. Spam emails. Now, (laughs) you can't make this up. You cannot. This is why people are reviewing it, but they're like, hey, man, I can't put it down. I'm telling you, if this is, we tell this thing. Like this, this is the greatest spy story ever told, except it's like spying for dummies. It's so bad. It's so bad. The, the, the malfeasance and misfeasance was so awful that when you talk about it in a book, that's why we use a lot of left wing sources, by the way, because they can't run from this now. Slate actually, a left wing resource, actually ran a piece about spam emails to Trump Tower and alluded to the fact that it was a Russian conspiracy. Even the New York Times slayed this story, Mm. slayed it as being ridiculous. This is how it went down, folks. Spam emails. Paragraph one. A server not belonging to Trump in Trump Tower was being spammed by a Russian bank. Or the Russian bank server was being spammed. Folks, where did this come from? Where'd it come from? You may ask yourself, Dan, how could the premier law enforcement agency in the world, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, get so snookered into believing 
that spam emails through an Alpha Bank Corporation, that these spam emails were the nexus and the keys to the kingdom to a major Russian conspiracy with the Trump team. Joe, may I read to you a few things? Would you object to that? No, uh, please do, Dan. Here is a piece from 2007. Mm -hmm. This is a piece written by Glenn Simpson. Now, for those of you who don't know who Glenn is, Glenn is paid by the Hillary Clinton team. Glenn is paid through multiple outlets. And Glenn was paid to go find the story to put in paragraph one to give the FBI the means to investigate the Trump team. This is the prepackaged narrative about Alpha Bank and the Russians already there. Glenn Simpson from 2007. But recent years have seen a growing number of former Soviet officials and industrialists seeking assistance in the U.S. Capitol. So here's Simpson saying the Russians are infiltrating the United States government. By the way, I'm not objecting to any of this reporting. I'm simply suggesting to you this reporting was simply taken and transplanted onto a Trump collusion with no evidence at all that Trump was colluding with the Russians. Mm -hmm. Many are playing an increasingly important role in the global economy as they wrest ever greater control over Eurasia's vast energy reserves and other natural resources. Okay, so let's break this down piece by piece. Simpson's 2007 piece, Glenn Simpson, the guy who is, is a key figure in the fabrication of this collusion narrative with the Russians, has a piece in 2007 making allegations that the Russians are hiring U.S. lobbyists to influence the U.S. Capitol. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying the Russians are not our friends. Let me be crystal clear. I'm not objecting to his reporting. I'm simply trying to lay the skeleton for how this story is overlaid onto the Donald Trump team with no evidence at all. It's basically like, um, Joe, uh, uh, here's a narrative. There's a narrative. Where's a narrative too? We need a narrative. I got one. Glenn Simpson says the Russians are in the U.S. Capitol. Let's blame that on Trump. Now, they talk about the Eurasia's vast energy resources. Interestingly enough, another narrative that appears frequently in the Steele dossier, which Steele, of course, was working with Simpson at Fusion GPS. All have become politically powerful in their home countries as well, making them, and by extension, their U.S. advisors, key players in Western efforts to promote regional stability. So there's the, okay, 2007, he's setting up the Russians, right? He goes into a conversation about how Bob Dole uh, helped the Russian billionaire accused of rivals of bribery obtain a visa to visit the U.S. in 2005, among other things. He then talks about a powerful member of the Russian cabinet and close ally of Putin who used a Washington PR consultant talking about this Leonid Ryman. This guy's under investigation, but he goes on. This is where it gets fascinating, Joe. This is where it gets really interesting. Mr. Ryman is, on federal, is under federal investigation in the U.S. over money laundering and is locked in a high-stakes battle with Moscow conglomerate Alpha for control of a Russian telecommunications empire? Oh. Oh, so Simpson already had some experience with what? Alpha Bank. Let's, Joe, let's check the boxes here. All right. What am I doing, Joe? I have fingers up. We're going down the box checking thing. Right. Here's me to uh, my, my right index finger to my left thumb for number one here. Mm-hmm. Pernicious Russian influence in the U.S. Capitol. Check. Check. High-paid Russian billionaires hiring U.S. people to influence U.S. policy. Check. Check. Thank you. Number three, a dispute with a Russian uh, conglomerate, Alpha, and a Russian billionaire. That seems awfully interesting enough to put in an article. Number three, check. Check. It goes on. 
<laughs> this is great. This is great. Who else appears in this 2007 piece? Dang, if I know. <laughs> Glenn Sibs, I know. Don't worry. I got it. Good. <laughs> the piece goes on. Paul Manafort, a former advisor to Bob Dole's presidential campaign, has advised a Ukrainian metals billionaire and his close political ally, Ukrainian Prime Minister Viktor Yanukovych. Mr. Yanukovych, who favors closer ties with Mr. Putin and Mr. Putin's administration, is embroiled in a power struggle with pro-Western Ukrainian President Viktor Yushchenko. You know who else appears in this piece? Because I'm going to explain that part in a minute. Hmm. Talking about Bob Dole. Mr. Dole, for instance, disclosed in lobby filings with the U.S. Senate his work for Russian billionaire Oleg Deripaska. Oh! Oh! Oh, did that happen too? Oh, boy. Oh, crazy. So let's go down the 2007 article. All of the players that appear in this article and the entities that later are transplanted directly into the Trump-Russian collusion narrative. Holy cow. Oleg Deripaska, who now we know the FBI sought his help in gathering dirt on Trump. We also know he had a lobbyist uh, he was working with named Adam Waldman, who was working with a Democrat Senate staffer named Dan Jones, who was trying to take down Trump. So the FBI goes back to Deripaska. Deripaska's name appears in a 2007 article by... Christopher's, uh, uh, excuse me, Glenn Simpson, as a Russian billionaire trying to influence U.S. policy. Deripaska's name. Who else appears? Paul Manafort. So Glenn Simpson's got Paul Manafort on his radar. Again, I'm not objecting to his reporting. Please don't mistake this for anything else because right. I know how liberals are. Right, right, right. His reporting may have been spot on about Manafort, Dole. I don't know Bob Dole. I've spoken to him once on the phone, but I don't have any relationship with him. I'm suggesting to you that he took this 2007 narrative about the Russians are invading the U.S. Capitol by paying off U.S. lawmakers, which may have been true. And he transplanted the exact same players onto the Trump team. What I'm trying to suggest to you is Simpson likely through this back channel, through the DNC and Sussman and Baker fed this entire narrative to the FBI. Hey, you better look into that Alpha Bank. I remember them from 2007. 2007, they were all over it. By the way, um, who's suing Glenn Simpson? Uh, Alpha Bank. Uh, and Alpha Bank is suing Simpson because Simpson's team working with Steele made Alpha Bank and their influence operation on the Russians in the U.S. election a central component of their dossier. Alpha Bank flipped them off, gave them two middle fingers, said, we're taking you to court over this. We're suing you. Folks. Paragraph one was written in 2007. <laughs> they basically took the same story, transplanted it to the Trump election as a predicate to formally open an investigation when the informal investigation flopped. They took the 2007 in, uh, information and inserted Donald J. Trump's name in there. This is the I, I this is the greatest show I've ever done. I, I, I'm for me. I, I mean, I, I self praise things. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I've never been more content to come on the air and do a show to expose what we've known this whole time. So I should have given you the lead in the beginning because I don't want to bury it. The lead in the beginning is the narrative was already there. 
It was invented by Simpson in 2007 based on some of his reporting. Transplanted to this. To this day, they needed a dirt narrative. The dirt narrative was there. Simpson sells this narrative through the dossier and Christopher Steele to Democrat lawyers that pipeline it into the FBI. And who promotes it? Who promotes it? I'll tell you. This is from Jeff Carlson's piece, again, in the show notes today. The Slate article. Remember, the article which cites, hey, right around July, you know, conveniently when the FBI investigation opens up, computer scientists discovered a back-channel email link to Trump Tower. Mm -hmm. Total, complete BS story. The Slate article managed to attract the immediate attention of who, Joe? Who? Oh, Hillary Clinton. Oh. Oh, that's nice. Who posted a tweet on the same day the article was published? Wow, did somebody tell her that article was going to be published? Is it possible the article was a co- was a, co- a coordinated hit between lawyers working for Hillary Clinton's team, upper level lawyers and managers at the FBI, and media people who put this information out there, never realizing this information was going to be completely entirely debunked just days later? Here's Hillary Clinton's tweet. Folks, this tweet was ready to rock and roll in her drafts folder weeks before this came out. Take that sucker to the bank, I'm telling you. Here's the tweet from Hillary. Computer scientists have apparently uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to a Russian-based bank. Whoa, Hills. Wow, crazy how you had that story ready to rock and roll. (laughs) Isn't that nice? Isn't that cute? Hillary Clinton on the Twitter feed. Right there, right before the election. Right before the election, Joe. Mm-hmm. Just weeks before the election, she fires out this bomb of a tweet about the Russians are communicating with Trump to Trump Town. A totally fabricated, nonsense, garbage story that I'm telling you has been recycled from a 2007 investigation Simpson had been doing on Russian influence in the United States that was simply transplanted to 2016. They scratched out whatever names and put uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> Does this make sense? But Is this the greatest story ever? I've never seen you laugh like that. Is this the greatest? Th- that is, I've known this forever. For, this is paragraph one. And by the way, I, again, I, I'm, I want to hat tip my co-authors, Denise McAllister, Matt Palumbo, because it was not just me at all. There was some really solid work based on some really incredible sourcing in the book that the FBI was entirely, completely embarrassed when they found out that their paragraph one about this Alpha Bank story, which is garbage. It was about spam emails, not an email communication channel with the Russians. This was so stupid and so easily debunked by even basic investigative techniques that what happened, Joe? Let me give you two alternate scenarios, Joe. What do you think happened? Do you think the FBI, when their paragraph one Alpha Bank story turned out to be a spam email story, Mm. do you think they just let it go and walked away? Or do you think they doubled down and tried to find another reason to continue the investigation? I think they doubled down. Yes, you'd be correct. They doubled down. They took option B. Instead of walking away and going, like, guys, we got to drop an L on this one, okay? We lost. This was a stupid case. We got played by this reporter. And by the way, he already wrote about this in 2007. It seems like he's just recreating an old story. What happens after that story falls apart? 
What starts leaking into the media? New reasons why the investigation started. <gasps> George Papadopoulos in a panic. Papadopoulos spoke to Alexander Downer about mm. dirt, which everybody now denies. <laughs> everybody involved yeah. in it. They have to re. You understand they had to reverse engineer paragraph one mm-hmm. because the original yeah. paragraph one is complete garbage. It it is a joke. It's an egg on the face. Oh my gosh! Did we get played? Moment. Then what happens in October? Right around this time, Joe, after the July thirty first opening of Crossfire Hurricane. Centered on the Alpha Bank email communication story, which is a garbage narrative. What happens? There's another. Oh, Carter Page. It's him this time. All these leaks. No, Carter Page started it. They keep going to the media, hoping and praying that this new fictitious paragraph one narrative will set in. Folks, I got more on this. We've got to pay for the show, and I appreciate your patience, but I want to get into on the, the other side of this read here. How Hillary was so fully invested in paragraph one, even though I'm sure they knew it was false, that she even had her senior policy advisors and her campaign people pumping this story out. Now, you may say, fairly enough, Joe, I know what you're thinking. I can see it in your face. You may say, well, Dan, if they knew this thing was junk and garbage, mm-hmm. Why continue to promote it? Because folks, they thought they were going to win the election. That's what I was they saying. didn't care. None of this was going to come out. This was going to be over. Hillary was going to be in charge of the DOJ, the FBI. They fall into the executive branch. This was all going to be dead and buried. Goodbye. See you later. We'll discredit Donald Trump. And by the way, they wanted to make sure he never surfaced again on the political scene. So they had to humiliate him. Russian collusion. They had to make sure his business was untouchable. No one would go near him. I mean, I touch them all in a bad way. So they had to discredit. So they foster this nonsense recycled 2007 narrative into this to make sure this guy as as is the cholera. Remember that Frankenstein movie, with Robert De Niro? <laughs> There's the cholera. They had to make sure he was the cholera. They knew this was crap. All right, I'll get to how they promote it in a second. Uh, I just uh, got to pay for the show, and I really do appreciate your patience, as always. Oh, gosh, sorry. Paperwork everywhere. I got so much going on with the book out and everything like that. It's been crazy. And people are tweeting me like, uh, or texting me like crazy right yeah. now. Uh, today's show brought to you by 23andMe. It's a DNA testing service that can offer insights into your ancestry, health, wellness, and traits. The 23andMe Health and Ancestry Service includes reports on how your DNA can influence your weight. You know, what do your genes say about you? Your sleep quality, your caffeine intake, sense of taste, whether you're likely to be lactose intolerant and more. You can find out that stuff. It's easy to do. You simply spit into the tube uh, provided in your 23andMe kit. And you mail your saliva sample back to the lab to be analyzed. I just did it. You get the bitter taste report. Now you find out your sweet and salty reports. DNA can play a role in determining your food preferences. The sweet, the salty, the bitter. Get the sleep report. I'm not much of a deep sleeper. But the deep sleep report tells you if you are more likely to be an especially deep sleeper. The sleep movement report 
tells you how much more likely you're to move during your sleep based on your DNA. The saturated fat and weight report tells you based on your genetics how your weight might be affected by saturated fats in your diet. Uh, the lactose intolerant report, I am grotesquely lactose intolerant, by the way, not that you need to know that, but reports shed insights into how your genetics may affect your ability to digest dairy products. Folks, order your 23andMe health and ancestry kit today at 23andMe.com slash Bongino. That's the number, 23 and me.com slash Bongino, the number 23andme.com slash Bongino. Go check it out today. All right, jumping right back in here. So Simpson invents the narrative, transplants his 27, his 2007 story into it. Hillary promotes the same narrative right before the election through a tweet. But here from Jeff Carlson's piece again today. Attached to her, her tweet, Hillary's tweet about the computer scientists uncovering this devious email communication back channel (laughs) was a statement from jake sullivan one of her policy advisors this could be the most direct link yet between donald trump and moscow computer scientists have apparently uncovered a covert server linking the trump organization to a russian-based bank this secret hotline may be the key to unlocking the mystery of Trump's ties to Russia. Jeez Louise. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> oh, man, folks. I, I, uh, I don't even know where to start with this. This is just so funny. <laughs> it it is. It's so how this just story it just is. entirely completely collapsed on them. Jake Sullivan and Hillary Clinton right around October. Right in this time window that FBI lawyers are meeting with DNC lawyers paid by the DNC. The same law firm, by the way, that's paying Glenn Simpson of Fusion GPS to gin up, go find the narrative on Trump that'll stick. Hey, I've already got one. I wrote a 2007 piece on Russians infiltrating the U.S. government (laughs) and a Russian billionaire, Oleg Deripaska. Oh, this is great. This is you got that. What, What do you think happened here? Well, let me tell you something. In that 2007 story, there was this Russian bank involved in this influence operation, right? I think there's something going on there. Where do you think the FBI gets these clues from? They're getting it from a DNC lawyer working for Hillary Clinton. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a grotesque political hit job from the start. That's paragraph one. Paragraph one is about spam emails. Now, I want to just quickly break this down again because I don't want to dismiss the 2007. So I I read through it to kind of give you a flavor for what it's about. But it's important how you understand when you understand the 2007 Glenn Simpson story. And you understand the players in it. It'll make sense. How an oppo researcher remember, just keep in mind, folks, put yourself in his shoes. If you're Glenn Simpson from Fusion GPS, you are paying, being paid exorbitant amounts of money. Joe, play Glenn Simpson for a moment here. Mm-hmm. You are getting hundreds of thousands of dollars. Your entire job, Joe, is to gin up usable opposition research information on the political opponents of the person who's paying you, in this case, Hillary Clinton. Right. Joe, yes. do you think your incentive there is to find information or to not find information? I uh. 
I have to find some information, Dan. You are darn right. This is not complicated. But, folks, sometimes we got to simplify this and put the lead first. Of course, of course, his motivation is to find negative information. That's what I'm suggesting to you is outside of, say, because Donald Trump's past, Joe, was already known. He had done a lot of uh, hits on Howard Stern and other stuff. This stuff was not usable. Um, this this stuff because people it was already baked into the cake. That's Trump right. wasn't pretending to be something else. He wasn't pretending to be a saint. He wasn't looking to be beatified. He came in as a game changer, an outside guy, a gruff Queens guy who was going to come in and shake up the D.C. swamp. None of that stuff was usable as a narrative. Hillary Clinton. They tried. They tried to hit him with all this stuff, and it didn't stick. So they needed something new. They needed something new and devastating. In the 2007 piece, Simpson is clearly on the trail of Oleg Deripaska, this Russian billionaire connected to Putin, Mm -hmm. who he makes alleges in the piece is trying to influence U.S. policy by hiring U.S. lawmakers. Folks, do you think he may have dropped that tip to the FBI to take a look at Oleg Deripaska? What makes me think that? Because right before the election, right in the same window of time, all of this is happening with the Hillary tweets. Who shows up to interview Oleg Deripaska when he makes a trip to Washington, D.C.? The FBI asking him about what? Russian influence in the United States and the Trump team. This is already in the 2007 P. Where do you think they got the clue from? This is why this is the clue came from a political opposition guy. As John Solomon said last night on Hannity, every time you turn the corner and discover a new clue that started this case, it always leads to someone tied to the Clintons or the Obama administration. It doesn't lead to any legitimate criminal or counterterrorism or intelligence source ever. Every single corner. So Deripaska, Deripaska's our guy. This guy was an influencer. He's a Russian billionaire connected to Putin. Well, where did that tip come from? Oh, probably Simpson and Simpson's people who'd already been investigating him in 2007. Manafort. Manafort's already on the radar. The 2007 Wall Street Journal piece talks about how Manafort is being paid by uh, a pro-Russian Ukrainian in Yanukovych to fight against uh, Tim Yashenko, who was more of a uh, uh, pro-European leader. The Manafort narrative that he's tied to Ukrainian interests, tied to the Russians, is already there. Now does it make sense why it's highly likely Manafort was a target of the FBI investigation? Again, who do you think gave them the clue? In a standard investigative case, a clue comes from a source, either a criminal inside an organization or in the case of the Uranium One case, a good guy who sees criminal activity, Joe, and says, hey, I don't want any part of this. I'm contacting law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Those were not the sources, folks. Paragraph one is chock full of sources who highly likely were political sources connected to and paid for by the Clinton team. This was a political hit, period. There were no investigative bona fides to this case whatsoever. Finally, you have the Alpha Bank connection in that piece. Alpha Bank, the Alpha that appears in the the 2007 piece and appears again in the dossier. Alpha, by the way, which who is suing Simpson and Steele over this. 
They, they're suing them. Alpha Bank is actually suing them. This is insane. This is this all appears in his 2007 piece. Uh, you know the maybe a simple analogy will work here, and I, I you're not objecting, so I assume you're getting it, Joe. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you here all the way, okay. bro. But mm. I just want forgive me for hammering this, but no. this is the whole point. This is why people can't put the book down because this is the connections here are all new. And by the way, thank you for buying it. I, I, if I didn't before, I'm going to thank you again. The connections here are all new. The, this is the equivalent of, I wrote a movie script once, right? Yeah. With a friend of mine, uh, this guy, Travis, good guy, used to work with my wife. It's actually a good uh, script. It's a, it's a fictional story about a Secret Service agent, right? But let's say Travis, and he wouldn't, I'm just, I'm just make, giving you an analogy to make this make sense. Let's say Travis doesn't want to share credit one day for the movie, right? Uh-huh. And Travis changes the title of the movie. I forget, what do we call it? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Um, Sheesh, I can't even remember the title. We wrote it so long ago. But people liked the story and they were interested. This was years ago we wrote. This got to be five, six years ago. Say he changes the title and changes the two lead characters from like Bobby to Tony. And he sells it and goes, oh, Dan, it's not the same story. I changed the names and the title. So it's a different story. So we're not going to share credit. This is the first thing that came to my mind. You would laugh. You'd be like, um... No, that's not how this works, dude. Right. Like the the, the story, it's it's <laughs> that's what's happened here. Simpson transplanted the players from his 2007 Russian influence operation story. Transplanted them once they found out Manafort was hired by the Trump team. Once they found that out, they transplanted the 2007 narrative directly into 2016 and just replaced the title of the movie with Donald Trump. That's it. But here's the problem, though. They had no evidence any of it was actually true. None of it. Now, I brought up the incentives things with Joe before, not to lose you, Mm -hmm. because I'm telling you what happened. Simpson was probably probing and probing and probing, given a lot of personal stuff. Oh, Donald Trump said on Howard Stern once that, you know, he thought Playboy models were really good looking. And this was not sticking. Nobody cared. So Hillary's team is probably pushing Simpson saying what, Joe? You got to give us more. You got to give us more. You got to give us more. The stress is building. He's got this big contract. His reputation's on the line. So what does he do? He's probably pressured. He's like, hey, they hired Manafort. Manafort was there. Um, Didn't we write that story in Manafort in 2007? Hey, Chris, we got to go find some stuff on this, and we got to make a connection somehow between Trump and Russia. Manafort's the conduit there. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I have some other components I wrote about in 2007, Deripaska, and I have another component in this Alpha Bank story that needs to reappear in this as well. Then the dossier appears, but they never, ever think the dossier is going to become public. They think it's going to stay a background, fictitious, nonsense movie script they wrote replacing the name of the real players with Donald Trump as the key to this Russian collusion influence operation in the United States. And they never think the dossier, which is full of uncorroborated, unverified garbage connections that make no sense. They never think it's going to become public because they are absolutely 100% crystal clear. Hillary Clinton's going to become the president, throw the thing in the dustbin of history, and it is never, ever going to get out there or see the light of day. Ever. Simple as that. Now, now you may say to yourself, because those of you who follow this intently, you may be catching something right here. Some of you may not. You may be saying, well, Dan... Why were components of the dossier then leaked later on after the election? Remember, though, when they briefed Donald Trump about components of the dossier, right? 
It's the sexual allegations about the golden showers that they tell him about, but they still hide the criminal stuff. Why? Because at that point, folks, Trump's elected and they understand they're caught. Right. Follow me here. They're under, they, they totally know they're busted. They know the dossier is going to become public. They know everything they did through the IC, the 702 queries, which likely happened, the unmasking. They know all of this is going to become public. At this point, they are feverish to, one, get the allegations out there and make sure that they can, the allegations that this Russian stuff is real at this point, they have to get it out there, but they have to find a way to make sure that the origins of the case and the DOJ malfeasance go away. Follow me. Please don't lose me, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go, baby. They know after the election, they're screwed. They never think this stuff is going to come out. That's why they weren't worried about it being true. Now they have to find a way to get it into the news at the because uh, the, they know it's going to be. So they have to they have to paint the narrative their way. So Jim Clapper talks to Jim Comey, has Comey go to the to, to meet with Trump and brief him on the sexual stuff in the dossier, but not the criminal stuff, which will stop Trump from digging further. But he tells Trump, don't worry, it's salacious and unverified. In other words, buy time. Because what we're going to do is we're then going to leak to BuzzFeed that Comey briefed the president on the dossier, which gives BuzzFeed cover to print the whole thing, which will send the White House into a tizzy. When the White House goes into a tizzy, they're going to somehow have to respond to this. And what we're going to do is we're going to use what the White House does as a reason to leak more stuff to the media and a call for a special counsel to investigate Trump. And we're going to call for Bob Mueller to come in and Mueller's going to keep the attention focused on this Russian collusion thing for as long as possible until we can make sure all the DOJ and FBI malfeasance is swept under the rug or drip, drip, drip so slowly like you're seeing now that the American people lose interest. What a genius plan. What a, a, a sick Grotesque, disgusting. Yeah. But what a genius plan. You get what I'm saying, right? Mm-hmm. They don't want Trump to right. go full bore, so they don't let him in on everything. But they have to get the dossier into the press to get a special counsel investigation. The sole purpose of calling for the special counsel investigation is to keep the attention on Trump the entire time using this fake collusion that they know is going to be exposed, but to buy enough time to Bob Mueller, who they know will play ball with them, the swamp, to keep the attention on the Trump team, hoping that the malfeasance here, the fake narrative, the fake paragraph one, the fake dossier, the information superhighway, from Steele and Simpson into the DOJ and through James Baker at the FBI and through Bruce Orr at the DOJ. When that all comes out, they're hoping it comes out so far after Trump is impeached and his reputation is so damaged by Mueller that it becomes a secondary tertiary story. Nobody cares about it. It's the drip, 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 drip. And then they let it out. Years. Think about it. Like I said to you yesterday, it's like the Benghazi story. People don't even talk about it. Sadly, people died. People still to this day, they don't even talk about it. They don't talk about it anymore because the Democrats slow walk the entire thing and, and the, they use the media to say, oh, this is a conspiracy theory that the Mueller probe is trying to sweep this stuff under the rug. This is what they do. And they make they just basically make the story. They ghost it. They ghost it. That's the strategy here. After Trump won, they knew it was going to come out, but they wanted to make sure they had a countermeasure. The countermeasure is the Bob Mueller probe. So what do they do? They leaked it to stuff to uh, to uh, to Trump. 
They go to, but he tells them it's salacious and unverified, talking them off the ledge for a minute. They then, behind the scenes, continue to leak stories about Mike Flynn, all this other stuff, making sure the press stays highly focused on this Russian collusion. They stay focused on the Trump thing. Pressure's slowly building for Sessions to recuse, a special counsel. Boom, Trump fires Jim Comey, which, by the way, I still think was the right move. He fires Jim Comey, and that is the spark to the powder keg that blows the whole thing. The Democrats now feel like their steady build of Russian collusion nonsense that's leaked in conjunction with the firing of Jim Comey is enough to push for a special counsel investigator deeply connected to all of the players in this who, again, will make sure the attention stays on Trump in the media. So when all of these deep, dark secrets of how the FBI and the IC and the uh, DOJ colluded together with deeply with lawyers from the DNC, the Clinton team, to get a fake narrative transplanted from 2007 to 2017, when that all comes out, they will make sure it doesn't matter because Trump is either impeached or is so damaged by the ruthless Mueller witch hunt to take down all the people in this orbit that no one will care anymore. And the story will only be about how corrupt Donald Trump was, not how corrupt the players in the United States government who entirely weaponized around every corner and politicized an investigation into a presidential candidate ever sees the light of day. Folks, this is a, a, a monumental, huge story. And I'm telling you, you could not have planned it any better that this Baker-Sussman back channel was exposed now because the whole thing is now coming out. But again, when you go back and you read the book we just put out, all of this stuff is in there about how they transferred almost seamlessly, Joe, from a criminal investigation to a counterintelligence investigation despite no evidence that either criminality or a counterintelligence investigation was needed at all. This is why paragraph one and the FBI origin stories they're leaking to the media keeps changing. No, Papadopoulos did it. No, Carter Page did it. No, Mike Flynn did it. No, Trump Jr. did it. They don't have paragraph one was a criminal investigation. A criminal investigation into this link between these alpha bank people and this computer server that was a spam email operation that entirely blew up in the FBI's face. That is why, although they keep telling you, now does it make sense, Joe, by the way, why they keep telling you Papadopoulos was the key figure to starting this whole thing, but Papadopoulos isn't interviewed until the following year? <laughs> because it was, a, it was yeah, a triage yeah. operation. We have to go find a new paragraph uh -huh. one because the real paragraph one looks pretty darn ridiculous. <sighs> insane insane all right folks i got a couple more things i want to get to but that's just to sum it up all right that is a, I, thanks I, this is one of my mm -hmm. favorite I tell shows. you're into it babe paragraph one we've known the whole time mm -hmm. we just couldn't put now when you read it it'll make a world of sense that's why i kept saying it for months and months and months that's the scandal all right today's show brought to you by my new favorite underwear company yes yes joe has yes, them too. I, do, Dan. I know he does Pair of thieves, Joe. How comfortable oh, they is that? I never they want to are, take aren't them. Aren't they? Uh, I agree. I like yeah, them. I love them to death. Pair of thieves. They sent me a few samples, and just so you know, I don't, I don't, you know, there's no fudge in the numbers on this show here, right? 
I went out and bought a three pack from Pair of Thieves using my own promo code. I liked them so much. <laughs> they sent me two free pairs, and I told my wife, I, I used to wear another pair. I'm not going to say who. And I'm like, these are the best. I got them. She's like, you got enough. I'm like, no, no, I need these. I need these right now. They're that good. On average, men keep their underwear for seven long years until they're a tattered, soiled, and stained shell of what they once were. Don't be that guy. Pair of Thieves are the most comfortable underwear I've ever worn. Hands down, fellas, hands down. Their proprietary moisture-wicking fabric keeps you cool and fresh. It's like AC for downstairs, but feels like you're wearing nothing at all. Yeah. What does proprietary mean, anyway? In this case, it means the competition's been trying to copy this fabric for four years, and they failed. One of the guys who started Pair of Thieves says all, of, all, his, uh, all, of, all his wife ever wants to see is him and his pair of his super fit briefs, and his wife is Jessica Alba. It's just well, true. It's found company. Try them out. If they're not, yeah. If they're not instantly your favorite pair of underwear, they will give you your money back. For a limited time this month only, our listeners get 20% off their first order at pairofthieves.com slash Dan. That's pairofthieves.com slash Dan. That's pairofthieves.com slash Dan for 20% off. Pairofthieves.com slash Dan. You will love them. All right. Um, one last thing I was debating addressing this. Joe brought it up to me this morning, but I wanted to get to hmm. it today. So Avenatti, or as uh, Trump calls him, Avianti, which I prefer, uh, the you know CPL, as Tucker calls him, the creepy porn lawyer, which is an adequate description. Uh, he's he, Listen, it's obvious he's desperate to stay in the media. Yeah. Obvious. And yeah, I think I may have played into it a little bit uh, yesterday. But, you know, I, I on this show, I, I give you warts and all, folks. So Avianti, Avenatti, um, <laughs> tweeted out that he wanted to challenge Don Trump Jr. to a mixed martial arts fight, which is really, or someone tweeted a daily call. He had actually said it in an interview or something like that, which is one of the, the dumbest things I've ever heard. And I want to be clear. Listen, I, I enjoy Brazilian jiu-jitsu and mixed martial arts. I have since my 20s, but I, and I, I, I'm, I've got a, you know, a, a spicy personality, we'll say the least. But I, I, for those of you who know me and Joe knows me mm-hmm. very well. I, I assure you, I am in no way an aggressive guy like that at all. Mm-hmm. I never have been. Matter of fact, on the show, I frequently make the point that, you know, once we become the left in that arena, aggressive when I'm, and I'm aggressive, by, I mean, violent, it's over. It's done. I mean, you have complete chaos. Like, that's the one Rubicon we can't cross. I mean, unless you're defending yourself. I mean, I'm not asking anyone to be an idiot. Uh, you know, I'll let them punch you in the face, but I'm, that should never be us ever. And, you know, I don't, you don't need a lecture. You get what I'm talking about. But yesterday, I kind of played into Avianti's game a little bit. So I tweeted back to him, hey, I'm down. And you know what? I mean it. Yeah, it probably plays into this guy's publicity-seeking garbage and nonsense. But he wants to be a tough guy and challenge Don Trump Jr. I said to him back, and I meant it. And again, I'm not in any way an aggressively violent guy like that. But I'll I'll fight him in an MMA match if he wants. I mean, uh, you know, I'm cool with that. I'm down. We'll donate it to charity. I'm not looking to make any money off it. I don't want like a UFC contract out of the deal. But, you know, if that's the route he wants to go down, you want to donate to a charity or something, I'd be happy to do that. So I put it out to Avenatti. And of course, I've heard absolutely um, nothing back <laughs> because that's his thing. Like he wants to be he's I, I said to you a few weeks ago on the show, growing up in Queens, I've run into guys like this my entire life. My entire life, they're, I, I, I used to jokingly call them high school Harry. They're like the big mouse, the guy that everything they did, they did in high school. It's oh, like, yeah. yeah, man, in high school, I was the quarterback yeah. and I threw 72 touchdowns. They remind me of the guy from, uh, uncle, yeah. whatever his name, uh, the uncle from, uh, from uh, Napoleon Dynamite. 
Uh, back in high school, I could throw a football over a mountain. High school Harry's. And he's goes, you know, I've been in 6,000 street fights and I've won everywhere. Eh, what are you, Kimbo Slice? I mean, give me a break. Dude. I've seen guys like Avenatti my whole life. And my experience with them, and Joe, you've got an edgy side mm. to you too, having run in some circles. You probably experienced yeah. this too. Is that the biggest yappers are the biggest yes. flappers. They're like, the biggest talkers are typically the guys who probably were in two or three street fights and got smoked <laughs> every time. And Avenatti is just proven to be that guy. But again, warts and all, I get it. I've read some of your emails. Some of you, some of you thought it was great. A lot of you did. But some of you said, oh, Dan, don't feed into this guy. He's just like, you're right. You're right. I, I, again, I don't pretend on the show to always have all the answers or to do everything right all the time. Um, I totally get that. But I, I think if it was for charity, and I would totally do it. I have no problem at all uh, jumping in the ring. I said to my wife, my wife, by the way, who's usually very cautious. Okay, yeah. Paula thought it was the greatest <laughs> idea ever. It. She goes, listen, you it. fight on Saturdays anyway. Yeah, you you did, it. right? She Because I fight on Saturdays anyway. I'm, not professionally. I mean, I train uh. in a mixed martial arts school down here in, in Florida. And she goes, you fight on Saturdays anyway, and you come home beat up. <laughs> she goes, why not go raise like maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars for a charity uh. in the process? And I was like, all right, <laughs> cool. Like, Paul is down. <laughs> so I just, you know, on my show, I feel like you're owed a special insight because you spend so much time with me and I spend so much time with you. So that's what happened with Avenatti. It's on my Twitter feed if you want to check it out. Uh, again, I'll ask you another uh, time of wrapping up the show today. And I will thank you. Thank you so much, so much for your reviews on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and my book. You all are just, um, I mean it. You're going to get me choked up. You are like the, uh, you're the greatest audience ever. My wife is just floored. We had 700 people on our live signing yesterday. 700 tuning in live for us to sign books. We sold over a thousand signed books. If you want to sign one, you can go to premiercollectibles.com slash spygate. They're, they're, they're not book plates. They're actual signed books. Um, we'll send you a signed one. If you want to sign one, you can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, pick up the book. It's in bookstores. Uh, I really, really appreciate you picking it up. We put a lot of work into it. And now you understand some of the stuff we were holding out on. The book describes in detail how this thing started and how it transitioned from a fake case to a faker case to an even more fake case, turning around, trying to reinvent the fakeness as the fakeness went on. You will be absolutely blown away. Go pick it up, Spygate, the attempted sabotage of Donald J. Trump by me, Denise McAllister, and Matt Palumbo. Buy it today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, folks. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.